Welcome back to the most accurate podcast here for, for football. As always, I'm your host, John Daigle, joined today by the man himself, friend in life, wrapping up the projections on our end at 444.com, none other than John Paulson. JP, how's it going? Going pretty good. we got a few more uh, stragglers here in free agency to talk about. There's still a few more out there, but uh, this should be a pretty good wrap-up show for, for free agency in 2023. Like a lot of other shows, we will get to rookies in the upcoming months. But yes, we have this one final episode cleaning up what we missed over the weekend in free agency. And there were some very big deals, including and beginning with Elijah Moore, traded on Wednesday, finally released from the Jets, to Cleveland for the number 42 overall pick. I would imagine, as we talked about with Aaron Rodgers and Garrett Wilson and Alan Lazard last week's show, that that number 42 pick, along with another second rounder, will go to Green Bay eventually whenever the Rodgers deal is settled. But for right now, what are your thoughts on Elijah Moore playing with Deshaun Watson and Amari Cooper and Donald Peoples-Jones in Cleveland? Yeah, I was uh, hoping that the Packers might acquire Elijah Moore, but then a couple of followers uh, pointed out, probably correctly, that Elijah Moore had a dust-up with Mike LaFleur, so that probably wasn't going to lend itself to dealing with Matt LaFleur as the head coach, so maybe that's why that happened. I mean, the Packers need receivers, and he was available, so this would have made a lot of sense. But And Denzel little- Mims is still a possibility. Yeah, uh, never more is the one I wanted, but uh, of course, <laughs> nevertheless, yeah. Cleveland, um, I would say is a pretty good landing spot for him. I mean, I, I think Donovan Peoples Jones' career was looking up, has been looking up, uh, with the acquisition of Deshaun Watson. He has, has had some uh, spot games where he's been pretty good, so I was sort of looking at him as a uh, sleeper, uh, in best ball drafts. I'm not sure what his ADP is, I can't imagine it's very high. Uh, but now that Elijah Moore is in uh, in Cleveland, I you know I I think I would favor him slightly over Peoples Jones, um, given his uh, rookie season. He had a really nice stretch, and then kind of was a disappointment as a sophomore and couldn't get off uh, the you know out of the doghouse and uh, you know off the bench. And his his snaps were limited last year with Garrett Wilson coming in and basically gobbling up most of the targets. So I think Elijah Moore has quite a bit of talent, and uh, I think it's a nice fit. You know, we'll see if. I think the key is with this whole passing attack is whether or not Deshaun Watson's 2022 season was just a blip. He was knocking off the rust because he wasn't very good at all. And uh, I think we were expecting a lot more efficiency and production out of him. So we'll see if he's able to you know, turn his career back around and, and get going again. Where do you rank Deshaun Watson? Because currently he's being drafted as the overall QB9 and 82 ADP on underdog. As Sharp Football's Rich Rebar pointed out on Twitter, when Watson did enter the starting lineup last year, Cleveland ran 76.8% of their passing plays from 11 personnel. So we assume now with a competent third receiver in Elijah Moore, they will continue to do so uh, and be a heavier passing team that targets wide receivers instead of tight ends like past years under Kevin Stefanski. So what are your thoughts on Deshaun Watson? Are you taking chances around that range as a low-end QB1 thinking he can return to form or was basically two years away from football too much for him to garner that form again? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty alarmed by 2022, and I have him at QB. I have QB. I have QB 14, so I think I'd rather have you know Daniel Jones, uh, Geno Smith, Kirk Cousins. I mean, Kirk Cousins is kind of like milk toast. I mean, it's just 
what you know you're not getting much upside there but you can get a nice qb2 or just a kind of a baseline producer there uh watson at nine seems really aggressive to me because then you're taking him um you're taking him over uh, over jones i would assume maybe you're taking him over Dak prescott that seems pretty aggressive uh and then i have Tua there as well so it depends on his health of course uh Tua, but I think if Tua is healthy, I'd rather have him over Deshaun Watson as well. I do have Watson over uh, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers right now. I think he's in that kind of tier of you know guys that have some upside, but uh, you know you kind of wonder how much upside they actually have. The big winner here, in my opinion, is Nick Chubb because quietly, when we talk about more eleven personnel for Deshaun Watson. Chubb had the eighth most carries from 11 personnel, three wide receivers in the field last year, averaged 5.7 yards per carry. So if now we're going to spread the box out even more for him to run free against shallow, like front sevens, man, like Chubb, especially with Dearness Johnson now signed in Jacksonville, assuming Kareem Hunt doesn't come back, could go absolutely nuts as a top five running back, honestly. So that is someone who's very high on my radar right now. Yeah, I, I would agree. I just wanted to chime in on Chubb. I think he's being way underdrafted, underdog. He's he's RB nine right now. I have him at RB three. If you look at his workload when Hunt is out, uh, as you as you mentioned, Dearness Johnson uh, moving on. If Hunt does move on as well, Chubb is looking at a top five finish, and I think he's vastly underdrafted right now at underdog. Completely agree. Another deal that happened earlier this week was Brandon Cooks finally getting his way and being shipped out of Houston to Dallas as their second receiver alongside CeeDee Lamb ahead of Michael Gallup for a 2023 fifth rounder and 2024 sixth rounder. Pretty cheap, honestly, in terms of his historical production. Your thoughts on Brandon Cooks and the Cowboys offense with Dak Prescott? Uh not a big needle mover for Cooks himself. I mean, maybe his happiness is is you know a ten out of ten now or a nine out of ten as opposed to a two out of ten in Houston. He doesn't have to move very far uh, going from Houston to Dallas. But uh, I, I do wonder in terms of number of targets uh, for him relative with, with Lamb being the number one option there, and then Michael Gallup now a year removed from his injury, perhaps uh, producing a little bit better than he did last year and maybe pushing cooks for that number two role. I think the, the good news is for all these guys is that Dalton Schultz has moved on and they are pretty raw at, at tight end. I mean, they've got a couple of younger guys, uh, but nobody of Schultz's uh, target acquisition capabilities right now. So that some of those tight end targets could shift over to the wide receiver two, wide receiver three, and that might uh, support both uh, cooks and Gallup there as possible fantasy options. And I was pounding Gallup hard in the 14th round because this is his bounce back year, right? We did, we weren't going to draft him in the late rounds after reconstructive knee surgery last season. This would be the one time I want to take a chance on him, especially given the massive contract he got from the organization last offseason. But Cook certainly now makes me a little scared to keep going overweight on him. Do you have any thoughts uh, or any confidence in either Jake Ferguson or Peyton Hendershot as last round picks? Because... They proved they were competent players last year. They both can block. They both can catch. My concern would be like the Lions situation, wherever they traded TG Hawkinson, and they did lead the Lions in touchdowns from tight ends once they traded TG Hawkinson. So both teams won that deal. The issue is that they used three guys, and there weren't really any rhyme or reason to when one would pop. And so that would be my concern with Ferguson and Hendershot is that there is no rhyme or reason. There's not like one single guy replacing Schultz in that offense. 
Yeah, that's the issue. I think if we knew who the starter was and we're assured that he's going to be seeing 70, 80% of the snaps, uh, then we could target them as a late round flyer. Uh, you know, you look at Ferguson's snap rate for the season, played 16 games, played 40% of the snaps. He averaged 0.11 uh, PPR points per snap. Hendershot uh, played 26% of the snaps and averaged 0.13. PPR per snap. So they're really, you know, it's almost like that uh, uh, Spider-Man meme where the two Spider-Mans are pointing at each other, like trying to determine who's better or who's the real Spider-Man. I don't know. We have to, we have to wait and see who's going to be the starter. Maybe there, somebody will clearly win this with job, but really, you know, on a per snap basis, they've been pretty close. You mentioned Dalton Schultz and his deal is now official as the Cowboys passed on giving him the 11.3 million franchise tag for a tight end and told him to test the market instead. And unfortunately, he failed the market in coming back with a one-year, nine million contract headed to the Texans. And remember, Dalton Schultz did struggle in the first half of the season, but he also dealt with two separate injuries. And then when he returned post-buy, week 10 on for Dallas, that's when he was the tight end four and points per game the rest of the way. So there is... A little bit of hope here that, honestly, given the Texan situation, he can arguably lead that offense for better or worse in both targets and receiving touchdowns. So your thoughts in Dalton Schultz with Houston? Yeah, he's always been, you know, when Dak Prescott's healthy, I'm I'm ranking uh, Schultz as a tight end one. If, if Prescott's out, then I kind of question it. Uh, but, and, and, you know, you look at his numbers, splits with and without Prescott, and they're pretty stark. So, uh, you know, going to Houston, I mean, I, are, are we are we assuming that Davis Mills is the starter there? Or are they going to try to find I, another quarterback? I'm assuming I'm assuming it's CJ Stroud or Bryce Young. Bryce okay, Young. So probably. you're you're assuming they're drafting one. Uh, that's Absolutely. you know, it sort of depends on how they uh, you know how much of an upgrade that rookie is from Davis Mills, and you know if they can turn this passing attack around pretty quickly because last year even you know i think davis mills played pretty well two years ago and then last year it just wasn't he didn't progress like like the texans and a lot of fantasy folks were hoping that he would um and it didn't help that brandon cooks was kind of disgruntled the entire time but uh you know you wonder like what level this passing attack can get to with one of these rookies and maybe they could turn this around quickly and then you're looking at schultz as a low-end tight end one just given the landscape at the tight end position i think he certainly is capable in a year, it's now another contract year for him. So he's going on a prove-it deal. Uh, they must be telling him that, you know, for him to sign with the Texans, they must be telling him that he's going to have a huge role there and be able to cash in the following year. I mean, that, that that to me seems like that's what's happening. And I was really surprised that this is what he ended up with, given the fact that his two or three year, uh, you know, splits or the, you know, you look at what he did over the last three years, I like guess 2,000 yards over the last three years, that's really... Uh, productive for the position and for him to just sign a one-year deal with you know one of the worst teams in football was uh, pretty surprising it's also going to be 27 this upcoming season he'll be on his second contract and again like we argued with David Njoku last year the runway is clear for Schultz um, with negligent competition to lead this offense in targets so given all of that yes he's not explosive I understand but given all of that genuinely he has to be a top four top five tight end in my opinion because the opportunity is right there for him Devin Singletary also join this backfield. And as we know from week two on, before Damian Pierce suffered his season-ending injury, 
He handled 80% of backfield touches for the Texans. No one, Rex Burkhead included, got in his way. And so the concern here is that Devin Singletary won't take over the backfield, but he'll cannibalize the situation enough to where Damian Pierce may not reach a ceiling outcome. So your thoughts now on Pierce and Singletary in the Texans' backfield. Yeah, I mean, I, when this happened, I tweeted that this was not great for Damian Pierce. I think, mm-hmm. you know, you're bringing in a, you know, then I, then I got, I got, you know, a lot of pushback that involved, you know, they're just replacing Rex Burkhead, and I don't think that's true. I think they're doing more than replacing Rex Burkhead. Rex Burkhead averaged 3.9 touches per game last year. They didn't need to go out and spend two and a half, three million on Devin Singletary in order to replace. Rex Burkhead. Uh, you could, if you're, if you wanted like a Rex Burkhead plus or a younger Rex Burkhead role, then yes. Uh, but you're looking at a uh, Singletary who has 177 carries last year, 38 catches. Previous year, 188 carries. You know, 40 catches. I don't think he just comes in and has four touches a game while Damian Pierce is a bell cow. So, you know, I think best case scenario coming out of this offseason, Pierce was the bell cow. And I think this signing indicates that they are going to, you know, have Singletary in there for eight to 10 touches, and that is going to impact Pierce negatively. So I, I don't see this in any other way than it's a downgrade for Pierce. I didn't have Pierce ranked as an RB1 or anything, but it's, it's, it's you know, it's far from the best case scenario to bring in a guy who's got uh, a, five, a 4.7 yards per carry and has averaged, uh, or he's had at least 38 catches in three straight seasons. So I think he's coming in for a reason. Uh, he signed a, sh- a short contract, I think one year deal or one year deal. A, yeah. yeah. So it's another prove it deal, uh, for him. And, uh, I think they'll, they'll form a pretty formidable one, two punch, but that's not great for, for fantasy purposes. Any thoughts on the fallout from Devin Singletary leaving for Houston? Because now we also saw Damian Harris sign a one year deal and everyone is arguing about James Cook dynasty value. I consider James Cook a loss in dynasty only because the sale window has closed. Like right now, you would be in a buying situation where you're buying him for two years from now. And I would argue for redraft purposes, this is a good situation for James Cook, if only because Damian Harris never led the Patriots in targets, never led the Patriots in third down snaps. He is a bruiser running back who will make shallow boxes finally pay for Buffalo instead of loading up on the back end and protecting and trying to... Uh, contain Josh Allen. So that's the way I look at it. Damian Harris still with double-digit touchdown upside with Buffalo. But your thoughts on both those players in Buffalo's backfield? Yeah, he could look at Dave, uh, Devin Singletary's season and kind of write most of that over to Harris, except for the catches, which is the 38 catches. I don't know, 180 or so carries. Uh, you know, most of those carries going to Harris, not very many of the catches going to him, and, and James Cook getting most of those. Because Harris is capable as a receiver, but he's not uh, maybe as dynamic as even Singletary was, and certainly not as dynamic as Cook is. So I think what, I think the plan was to bring in somebody to t- you know take some of that between the tackles rushing load off of Cook because he's not a big guy at all and wasn't going to be able to handle 300 touches. So you know I think they're 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 going to ramp up his workload, but not to the point where they're going to you know sacrifice his body. Uh, so Harris, you know, coming in on a 1.77 million dollar deal. Uh, one year, they're just going to, you know, hand him the ball 10 to 12 times a game. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's not going to have a ton of uh, fantasy value because uh, the rushing touchdowns, they tend to go to Josh Allen, or at least he vultures quite a few of the rushing touchdowns. So it's really, you know, Cook is, Cook's value is probably uh, unchanged because uh, we knew something was going to happen here with him. And this is probably the ideal person to bring in 
in terms of type of player because he's going to take up a lot of these uh you know short yardage and you know between the tackles type carries which aren't really worth a whole lot for fantasy unless unless you're talking goal line uh whereas cook is going to hold on to a lot of that uh, pass catching role and uh he'll be able to you know third third down role and also just two minute drill so that, that that's where you know the running backs make a lot of points another player who like damon harris will probably be dependent and is certainly capable of touchdowns multiple touchdowns to get his value is adam thielen rounding out carolina's three wide sets between either terrace marshall lavisca chenault or shy smith thielen of course yards per route run have dipped for five consecutive seasons yards per target have dipped for five consecutive seasons but we know he is capable inside the 10-yard line that's what's important uh at least 29 percent of his targets for three seasons in a row have come inside the red zone that's where he makes his money so your thoughts on adam thielen who we are expecting to play with likely cj stroud this upcoming year yeah i have to kind of wait and see if this is the final receiving core because this is pretty ugly when you look at it as a whole <laughs> yes. i mean they got and they hayden did included hidden hurst uh at tight end which is not bad i mean he's a He's kind of, uh, I don't know, mid-level starter uh, at tight end. Uh, Thielen in the slot, who's well past, well past his prime. Terrace Marshall, maybe ascending. Uh, Lavisca Chenault, who I've, uh, you know, I would have thought he'd be the slot receiver, but now with Thielen there, is there room for him? Um, uh, you know, are they really done at receiver? Are they going to add somebody? Because this is a pretty uh, motley crew of, uh, of receivers at this point compared to the rest of the league. And uh, I do think that Thielen, though, has some late-round appeal. I'm sure his ADP is way, way lower than it was last year after a disappointing uh, season. Uh, but he could, he should, just as it stands, should lead this team in targets if he's able to play a full season. Um, and that, you know, could lend itself to an 80-catch, you know, pretty solid PPR season. And we do know that he has the ability to score touchdowns. So if he's able to get maybe 80 catches and eight touchdowns, uh, he's going to end up as a, a pretty good value uh, wherever his ADP is right now. If you are curious about our thoughts on CJ Stroud, you can go back in the most accurate podcast feed and find my episode with Hayden Winks from just a few weeks ago. Stroud, of course, my favorite quarterback of this class. And finally, as the Colts continue to shift and remake their offense, two signings here. Gardner Minshew, of course familiar with Shane Steichen's system from Philadelphia, signed to a one-year deal. And it's your call. In four starts the last two years under Steichen, Gardner Minshew has finished as the QB9, QB18, QB7, and QB17 in those four games. And then also Isaiah McKenzie signed to replace Paris Campbell from the slot. I think we're going to get spot starts for Minshew. I think a project at quarterback, whether it's Will Levis or Anthony Richardson, is certainly coming with a number four overall pick. So your thoughts on what will probably be half a season, I think, between Gardner Minshew and Michael Pittman. Let me ask you this, though. Does it seem like based on Minshew's early career that he should have a starting job somewhere, even if it's a low-end 20 to 32 type range starting job isn't he better than some of these guys that are going to be starting he's he's certain he's certainly better yes but i also think the ceiling is capped and i think nfl decision makers are aware of that uh i would i would argue he was exposed last year and a second start for philadelphia um because he does have limitations but as a veteran backup a career backup honestly and someone who every team should prioritize like a cooper rush who can come in and keep your team afloat for a long period of time. Absolutely. He's that good. 
So this is a really good, I think I mentioned with our producer, Sal, that this is a really good landing spot for him, given the uncertainty at quarterback, the relative talent at the receiver position. Uh, they do have, you know, Michael Pittman. Uh, they got a pretty good running game with Jonathan Taylor, uh, and they've got a group of tight ends. Johnny Woods, uh, kind of up-and-coming tight end. Kylan Grants is a pretty decent receiving tight end as well. So um, I think this is a good spot for him. Uh, and, you know, if you're getting into super flex, and deeper formats, you might want to think about him because, as you mentioned, there's a good there's a good chance he sees half a season of starts, uh, uh, given who the Colts might get at uh, at quarterback. So, you know, I think the only thing that would really submarine his uh, value would be if the the Colts somehow trade uh, for or sign, uh, I guess, Lamar Jackson, uh, you know, to a deal that the, the Ravens decide not to match because that would obviously uh, submarine. Um, and she's value, but you know, otherwise you think it's a pretty good chance that he's going to get, get some starts. And I, I do think that he is a, a sneaky, uh, sneaky start. Anytime he, he gets in there because he does have some ability to run the ball. He's got some swagger and uh, he, you know, he, he tends to tends to produce when he does get those starts. Your thoughts on Michael Pittman as well, because I'm expecting a bounce back. I don't know what the ceiling outcome could be, but last year he led the league in curl routes under Frank Reich and Jeff Saturday. I would imagine that changes under Steichen, and he gets the full complement of routes back that can unlock his ceiling. Yeah, I mean, I think he's good and uh, probably was a little bit, I mean, based on where he finished, he's a little overdrafted last year, but I don't think, you know, heading in, given the fundamentals uh, of his career at that point, and knowing that he's a good route runner as well from all of Matt Harmon's work uh, over at Reception Perception, I think it, the, everything's really indicated that he was going to have a good year. Uh, and then, as you mentioned, the usage was weird. Uh, you know, Matt Ryan didn't deliver as much as we thought he would deliver uh, at his stage of his career. But I think, you know, Minshew, you know, if you assume him for a half a season, and then I think it gets pretty dicey when you don't know what kind of quarterback they're going to have there as the as the rookie and, and you know, whether or not he's going to be uh, as quality of a passer as Minshew even. That makes it a little bit risky, uh, but I think his ADP is such that uh, he's worth the worth the risk at this point because I think he's probably going to go two or three rounds after where he went last year in the third round. And with that, Paulson, any other thoughts before we put a bow on free agency and move on, continue with projections and everything else on the site? You know, I was looking at your uh, excellent uh, free agency tracker, and there are some still some names out there. We might have to do another podcast if all these guys go anytime soon. But we still have the old Dell Beckhams, Jerry McKinnons, Kareem Hunts, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Leonard Fournette, just to name some running backs at receiver. We got, as I mentioned, Beckham, Chark, Landry, Marvin Jones. I mean, we got to do a Marvin Jones podcast. Uh, but no, I think most of the na big names are gone. Uh, but there are still a few interesting. Uh, players out there that could find fits, fantasy fits that'd be worth talking about. But we'll we'll just uh, we'll just tease that and maybe not deliver, depending on uh, when these guys actually get signed. We will definitely get back together when all this happens. Uh, and of course, that free agent tracker, as well as our fantasy fallout articles, all free on the site for four dot com for everyone right now. As we move closer and closer to hardcore best ball season. Until then. We will be back next week with Rookies and Dynasty Talk. So remember, until next time, be a little bit kind of the way you are. We'll see you next time.